we are continuing a series uh, where we've been talking about the generous life, what the generous life looks like. And I have told you a little bit about the heart and the mindset that is required for generous living. And today we're going to do the thing. We're going to do the thing you've been thinking we were going to do at some point eventually when you talk about a series called The Generous Life. We're going to talk about generosity. At some point you knew it was going to happen. Today we're going to talk about money. So um, so we're going to talk like explicitly, clearly about money today at church. Now if... Uh, if you haven't been around Life Church for a long time, uh, these are always the the interesting services for like new people to come to, because uh, because if anybody ever walks into a church service and like all the pastors ever do is talk about money, and they, you come on like the one day where we talk about money explicitly, you're like, see, uh, we don't do this often, but the reason that we do this is because. Uh, the Bible does talk about our money. It talks about our possessions, and it would be foolish of us to just ignore that. So as we talk about generosity, we have to talk about the way we think about what we've been given. We have to talk about the heart and the mission of generosity. And then today, uh, I, I just want to talk to you very clearly, uh, if I could give this title in this series called The Generous Life, uh, a title just for this message today, it would be How to Be Generous with Money. I think God is going to talk to us about that. Uh, now, um, I want to give you um, a, another disclaimer here that just so that you can know where I'm coming from is because uh, one of the things that happens sometimes when we talk about money or when the pastor stands up and talks about money, uh, sometimes it, it feels a little bit as if, you know, we can be thinking, well, this guy's just standing up there because he knows, like, we really need the money, or, or he was looking at the giving records, and that's what made him decide to go do a sermon on money or something like that. I just want you to know I don't actually look at the giving records. I've been the pastor of Life Church for 11 years, never once looked at a giving record. Um, I have no clue whether, uh, as I'm looking out at you, I have no clue how much money you give to the church or if you give to the church. The only reason I would know that is if you've ever told me, hey, I'm tithing or, you know, something like that. Uh, I don't know that. I specifically don't look at those things. And that's because I want to be able to stand up and say, I'm talking to the whole church. I'm not talking to any specific individuals. So, the disclaimer here is if at any point you feel like I am stepping on your personal toes as I talk about the way you handle money, that's the Holy Spirit, not me. I can't possibly be picking you up out of the crowd because I don't know what or whether you give. And so that's the Holy Spirit. So if you feel offended, you're going to need to just pray about that. Um, Deal with the Holy Spirit about that if you feel convicted in any way. But my heart actually is that you don't feel convicted or offended at all, but that this is an invitation coming from a place of love. The second thing I want to say about that is we are not preaching a sermon about money because as a church we're desperate in need for, uh, for money. I want to explain to you that over the last couple of years, there are a lot of churches that have gone through great difficulty financially because of all of the things going on in the world. And we are incredibly sympathetic to that. And we've been praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in areas and in churches where finances have been a major uh, pain point and struggle point for local churches, and we are thankful at Life Church that we are a blessed group of people. Uh, so we are not actually preaching this sermon from a place of need. The church council didn't come to me and say, Tim, you really got to preach to these people about money because we're hurting. I can understand that there are places where that might be a reality. That is not the reality here. So I'm saying all of that to, to you to say we're preaching this because we love you, because it's in the word, and that's honest. Uh, an honest way to deal with the word is to 
touch on every topic that's in scripture. Obviously, your money is the generous, uh, is the generosity topic, right? We're going to eventually have to talk about money. All of this disclaimer is just, I know it feels like I'm going on and on and on, but I'm just saying this is such a sensitive topic, and I understand and respect that, that I want you to hear where our hearts are coming from as your leaders when we talk about your money. It's not because, well, man, we really just need to find a way to guilt these people into giving money. In fact, we'll talk about guilt a little bit later today. This is coming from a place that is, that is this. We don't need your money. You have a need that is greater than any of our need as a church for your money. You need to be generous. You need to give your money to the church. Whether it's this church or another church is up to you and the Lord to decide. Although if you're giving your money to a church that you don't attend, that's strange. Um, and I'll, I, I actually hope to convince you of that in, my, in this teaching today. Um, but all of this to say, your need is greater than our need. You need to be generous. And, and, and then I would sit in the seat with you and say, we, as, in, as sons and daughters of God, need to be generous people. Uh, so all the disclaimers aside, I'm preaching this because I want you to be healthy. I want you to be mature. And I want you to be blessed by God. And I think that the scriptures teach us that if we steward our finances well in the way God has decided for us to do that, um, then we will be blessed by God. Amen? So my, my structure for today is that I want to share with you four ways that you can look at being generous with your money. We're going to spend the, most of, uh, the, the, the bulk of our time talking about the first way that we can be generous with our money, and then I'll support all of that with three other points. Uh, so let's dig into it. The first way that I want to share with you that we can be generous with our money is we see this, that the generous give their tithe to God. Now, that's phrased in a really specific way. The generous give God their tithe. And the best place that we can unpack this principle is in Malachi chapter 3. Uh, now, uh, I'm going to read this passage to you, then we're going to spend some time unpacking what the implications of this text actually are. And I'm going to read this to you out of the ESV uh, today. If we jump into this conversation that God is having with his people... Uh, God says this to his people in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 8, Will man rob God? What a great, encouraging way to start a sermon about money. Oh no, God is accusing us of theft. He says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You might see that word contributions in other translations as the word offerings. All right? Uh, so we'll use those words interchangeably, contributions and offerings. In verse 9, he says, you are cursed with a curse. This is not getting better yet. And he says, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into, notice that, the full tithe. We'll come back around to that. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Just for context and for the record, there's not another place in Scripture where God talks this clearly about, hey, test me. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear says the Lord of hosts, then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, 
says the Lord of hosts. Now, I think that this is the, the repetitive phrase there, says the Lord of hosts, when it talks about this is, this is the blessing that comes from giving. I, I think that this is intentional, that God wants you to know, look, Malachi didn't just make this up. This is God saying this. The blessed life is the generous life. And, and, and this is the standard for how to be generous with your money. This is the, the baseline. If you want to be a generous person, certainly we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, you have to know what the mission of generosity is. That ultimately the mission of generosity is to spread the kingdom of heaven around to the world, to spread the gospel to the world, to give what you've received freely as you have received it. You have to have that kind of mindset. We've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks, but if you really want to be a generous person, not just a generous-minded person or not just a person who understands what generous, generosity should look like. But if you want to engage in generosity, it has to start with the principle of the tithe. This is, this is what God says is the foundation of what generosity looks like. And God immediately says, and if you are generous like this, I will be generous in ways that you won't even have room to store my generosity. That's a pretty wild concept. Give me the tithe. We'll talk about what that means in a second. But give me the tithe, and I'll give you more than you can hang on to. Give me some of what you have, and I'll give you more than you need. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good deal. If you have to talk about the, the, the terms of this arrangement, that's a pretty good deal. Now, it is important that we understand and define the word tithe. Now, the word tithe literally means 10%. So say this with me. Say the word tithe, tithe. Now just say 10%. You just repeated yourself. I just want you to understand tithe and 10%, it's the same thing. Now, what that means is if you are giving 9.9%, that's not the tithe. That's 9.9%. 10% is tithe. 10.1% is tithes and contributions. Do you understand the principle? When we say the word tithe for the, rest of, for the rest of your life now, when we use the word tithe, you know what we mean is 10%. 10% of what? 10% of all your increase. That's God's standard. 10% of all your increase. Now, when it uses that word increase, if we really break down what we're talking about here, we're talking about 10% of all your financial increase, 10% of all of your, whatever the currency of the day is. So there was a day when, when salt was the currency, so it'd be 10% of all of the payments that you get, or 10% of all the, the sheep that you get. If you were a, a shepherd, you're trading in livestock, 10% of whatever it is that is the currency that you have received, all of the ways that you have been monetary.
And I understand the heart and I understand the fear associated with how committed we are to the idea in our society that if I don't have money, I don't live. And God says, I get it, but if you don't give me the tithe, then you're robbing me. And so we get into a lot of nuanced little conversations, and a lot of times people will come up to me and say, well, is it okay if I tithe something other than money? And the answer is no, because that is not a tithe. That's service and sacrifice, and you should also do that. But that's a different sermon. Today we're talking about your money. Do you understand? All right. This would be a good moment to just remind you, God wrote all of this, not Tim. Okay. But I want you to notice this. God is not telling people to become tithers. He tells them in verse 10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Notice that the conversation that God has with his people about the tithe is not, if you have the tithe, bring it into the storehouse. Now, I failed Algebra 1, and I got, and then Jan Spencer, who was the pastor at the time, I'm going to throw him under the bus for a second. He let me pass Algebra 1 and I one day asked him later on, I said, is it true, I have this theory that the only reason you let me pass Algebra 1 was because my mom is a member of your church? And he's like, that is 100% true. Your mom is German and scary, and I didn't want to have to deal with her. So I gave you a passing grade in my Algebra 1 class so that you could move on and take consumer math three times after your freshman year to graduate high school. If we want to talk about my inability to fully understand how money works. I'm your guy. Like, I've got stories on stories. Sharon has some really funny stories about ways that I have been dumb with money, which is why Sharon handles our budgeting in our family so that we're not broke on the streets, all right? So that said, I do at least know this. I have 100% of the money that I have. Just think about that for a second. Okay. The money that comes into my, I have 100% of the money that I get. Yes? Okay. God is saying, give me 10% of 100%. Everybody has 100% of the income that comes into them. You do. You really, really do have 100%. God is saying, give me 10% of what increase comes into your account. Now, we're going to talk about all of the ways where you go, man, I don't know, not really, and well, isn't it true that somebody, like the government kind of takes money off the top, and so I don't really ever get 100%, well, we can have conversations about whether you tithe on the gross or the net, we can have conversations on the side about that. My point is this, that there isn't a single person that earns a dollar that doesn't get 100% of that as increase to them. Some of it is already, is, is already committed to being spent. And I get that, but that's increase that came into you, 100%. And God is saying, give, commit to me 10% of the increase. He's not saying become a tither. He's saying, bring me your tithe. The assumption is that you are already giving your tithe, just not to God. So, tither is not something you become. Tither is something you already are. Again, to be clear, you are a tither. Can you just look at your neighbor real quick, just so it's not just me saying this. Look at your neighbor, look at someone around you and say, you are a tither. You are one. Now ask them this question. Who are you tithing to? That is the important question. Now, the value of tithing is this. The value of tithing is that it reveals our values. The value of tithing is not legalism. 
The value of tithing is not that your pastor gets a fancy nice car. If the only reason we were asking you to give tithe was so that the pastor could buy the car that he wants, I would stop using I'd really like a TARDIS blue Mini Cooper in sermon illustrations because I would have already bought the dream car that I want. That's an old sermon illustration. And I'm, I still don't own the car. Because the standard of tithing is bring the money to God, not to Tim. Right? But if the standard of tithing is bring the money to God, not to Tim, the standard of tithing is also bring the money to God, not to government. The value of tithing is that it reveals the priority of your values. You have values, and you reveal them every single time that you spend money. Tithing can be defined like this then. Tithing is the act of giving the first 10% of your increase to the place that you believe will sustain your life. The question that we answer every single time we receive money is the tithing question. The question, what do you value the most? And you answer that question by what you give your money to first. Because God says, if you bring the t full tithe into the storehouse, then there will be food enough in the house, and I'll bless you, and all, I'll bless you so much that all the nations will call you blessed. God is saying, when you bring the tithe into me, into the storehouse, then what you're saying is, I place my dependency on the place that I give my first 10% of my increase. This is not a legalistic thing. This is a value principle. And it's a trust question. Who are you asking to be your provider? And this will begin to go a long way to answering the question, do I tithe before or after taxes? Now, I'm not telling you how you have to land on before or after taxes. I'm telling you, ask the question, do I want in the conviction of my heart to say I give the first 10% of everything before Everybody else gets to touch even a penny before taxes come out, before anything else comes out, before rent comes out. But I think the principle tells us this, that many of us tithe to the government. Many of us tithe to a credit card company. Many of us tithe to a landlord. Many of us tithe to a grocery store. Because we feel, many of us tithe to Apple Corporation. or Netflix, or Disney Plus, or whatever other list of subscription accounts that you have. Here's how you know who you're tithing to. The place when you say the phrase, that money is already spent before it even hits your bank account, that's who you're tithing to. Now, I didn't create the principle, so everybody just take a breath. <sighs> okay, God is inviting us into his standard of how economy works and how faithfulness works. The principle of tithing is the person you give your first fruits to is the Lord and provider of your life. Just like the person I give my faith to is the Lord of my life and provider of salvation for my life, so I give the first and all of my life to Jesus. The same has to be true for all of the other things that I think that sustain my life. So I give my money first to God. And in fact, down to every last penny, the standard has to be all of this belongs to God. 
So even the bills that I have recurring have to be dictated and determined by God. Does this make sense so far? So you are tithing. You are. You're already doing it. And as you do it, you are expecting resource provision and comfort, uh, covering and comfort from the place that you are tithing to. And so all of that said, then we can get back into the instruction that God has told us, that Malachi teaches us that the generous people tithe. And I think that they do it for at least two reasons, that they bring the tithe into God first because they are obedient. It is baffling to me the number of ways that we expect Christians to be obedient. And then the second that you say be obedient with money, we go, no, 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 hold on, don't touch that stuff. It is wild to me that we get irate about disobedience about sexual ethics or political uh, opinions. We get irate about, uh, look, I, I was just talking to a, a young person about whether or not you should wear a hat at church. I know people that get deeply offended when they see a young person wearing a hat at church, let alone on the stage. But don't talk about money. Don't tell me to be obedient with the dollars. It's wild how religious we get about things that don't matter. And then God says, God, there's never been a verse that says if you wear a, a, a hat at church, you're robbing God. But he did say, if you don't bring the tithe into the store. No, no, look, okay, look, look. I told the young man, maybe we should be considerate about the people that are sensitive about wearing hats in church. Just so you know, I didn't say, oh, people who think you shouldn't wear hats in church are dumb. Let's kick them all out. We didn't say any of that. So just so you know, we didn't like throw you under the bus if you're the guy or the gal that's like, whatever. And this is such a silly illustration at Life Church because I know at the end of the day, you guys don't really care. You came here to worship Jesus. I get, I get all of that. But it's still, it's an interesting point, isn't it? That we get so religious and uptight about things that, that, that we all have to be obedient about. And God says, well, you know what a good sign of obedience is? Do you bring your tithe into the storehouse? Well, don't touch my money, pastor. Well, pastor didn't touch your money, but Jesus sure would like to. It's, an, it's a mark of obedience. Are you going to be obedient in every area of your life? Uh, Malachi is actually pretty clear here, right? He says, uh, number one, this is what obedience looks like. The tithe is to be brought into the storehouse. Now, the modern-day context of the storehouse is the local church. The modern-day context of storehouse, or in some other translations is the word temple, uh, the modern-day context there is the local church. And we tithe to a church for very practical reasons. Isn't it brilliant the way God set up the system? Now, I know that some people might think that, like, when you tithe... I'm going to have to deal with my wife on this later, but I'm going to, she's used this illustration in public, so I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to use an illustration about my wife for just a second, for a moment. There was a time when my wife was younger that she heard the church talk about how tithing is giving your money to God. And there was a time, she doesn't think this way anymore, just for the record, but there was a time when she was younger that she thought that when you gave your tithe to the Lord, it just like disappears and appears in heaven. She over, you heard her say that from the back. She over-spiritualized it, right? And, and in her thinking, I mean, like, we believe a dude rose from the dead. I mean, maybe God can make money disappear too, right? So that was, that was her thinking. And then, and then she went, oh, wait, the tithe actually comes into the local church so that, the, so what? So that there may be food enough in the house. 
for you and so that all the needs would be met, so that God would open up the windows of heaven and that all the needs would be poured out upon so much that there wouldn't even be needs. So the tithe becomes incredibly practical. Do you know we're like turning the lights on right now because the tithe? But we're also in December going to serve a meal at Grace Resource Center because of the tithe. Yes? So all the ministry that happens, all of the food that happens to be uh, provided for you in this storehouse is because of the tithe. So he says, so that there will be enough bread in the storehouse, so your church can have the resources to minister to you and through you. He also says this. This is a mark of obedience. He says, withholding the tithe is, a stain, is the same as robbing God. In other words, God takes what you do with the first fruits of all your increase. He takes it very personally. Generous people, givers, understand that God created and owns everything. So he gets to tell us what to do with our money. He created your body, so he gets to tell you what to do with that. He also created the economic systems of the world, and you think, no, man did that. Well, who gave man the intelligence to come up with it? God. God created all of this. He gets to tell you what to do with your money. And when we don't obey, obviously we don't get to be offended when God doesn't bless our lives. So tithing to your local church is an act of obedience. And then generous people also tithe to their local church for a second reason, because they value the return. Now, this is not a spiritual bartering system where if I give $100, God will give me 1000 That's not how tithing works. But we do see the return. The return is so good. And by the way, if you're like, well, I don't give to get. Yes, you do. You do it every day. You do it every single day. You give money to get gas in your car. You give money to have a roof over your head. You give money so you can go see the sequel to Black Panther. When you give, you expect a return. And God says, no different in my kingdom. When you give, there is a return. Now, it's not return in kind all the time. We've talked about this just recently. You don't always get the exact same thing you gave back. God says, I'll pour out a blessing on you so that there will be no need of all kinds. You give money because you value what you get in return. And God says, you have permission to give that way. And the return on bringing the tithe into the storehouse is phenomenal. Just listen to what he says. There will be resources in your local church to minister to you. You will live under an open heaven that dispenses more blessings than you can contain. God will rebuke the devourer for you. You know what it feels like to have the devourer not be rebuked over your money? If you're the person that every single time you get a, a bill, you're always like, well, that was already spent. And you feel like you're constantly behind and you have to go to work just so that you can put food on the table. Well, God says, if you become a tither to me, not to whatever else, so you think you can cover all the bills, tithe to the bills because you think that's the way the system works. God says, tithe to me and I will take care of all of that. I will rebuke whatever is devouring your resource. I mean, I want God to do that for me rather than having to try to figure that out on my own. Because I've already told you, I'm not good with math. If I have to figure this out on my own, we're sunk. But he goes on, he says, you will enjoy the fruit of your work. You get to enjoy the fruit of your work if you bring the tithe into the storehouse. And then it's so good that other people will call you blessed and they will call you a delightful land. Think about the kid when you were growing up whose house you always used to go to because their mom made cookies and like laid out snacks and every time you went over it was like, there's always good food, right? 
that's a delightful land. People want to spend time with the people whose mom puts out the best snacks. And God says, I'm going to bless you so much that people will be gravitating towards you going, man, you've got the best snacks. How is it that you're always so blessed? How is it that your life just always seems to be working out for you? Oh, it's because I, I prioritize correctly because I'm obedient and I love the way that God gives me the return that I can see how he blesses me all the time. Ultimately, I think that the tithe is a two-fold test. God invites us to test his faithfulness, and through this test, our values are revealed. So we are generous with our money when we begin by giving God our tithe. And tithe is 10%. No more, no less. That's the tithe. You could give more. You probably shouldn't give less. Tithing is actually just a baseline, though. We've said that, right? Tithing is a baseline. Now, the next three points I want to go through relatively quickly, but they're going to help uh, because I think that they are vital parts of us understanding what it looks like to be generous with our money. So the second thing is this, that the generous give offerings beyond their tithe. Now, offering is the word that is used for, uh, for money given to those who are in need. That's the word that, it, it, that we would use there, offering. Now, God takes this kind of generosity very seriously. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? And in James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Like those two things. Don't let the world corrupt you. We're big on that. But also care for the orphans and the widows in their time of need. Generosity looks like seeing a need and meeting it with money. Givers give. Generous people give offerings in two ways. They give offerings directly and indirectly. Direct offerings are given where a person sees a need and they have the resource at their disposal and they immediately can meet that need. Like I was walking out of a store the other day and I saw this elderly couple in the parking lot and they came up to me as I was loading up my groceries in the car and they, they told me what was going on and I felt in that moment moved with compassion by the Lord for this couple. And they happened to need some money for a hotel that evening. And I just happened to have had $15 in my wallet. Now, that actually is a pretty rare occurrence for me to have cash in my wallet. And just earlier that day, I was thinking, I should probably go put this in the bank because I don't have any plans to use it. And I just felt like in that moment, then I said, Lord, unless there's something you want me to do with it that would be better than just put it in my own bank account. And it just genuinely, that was the prayer. I was here in my office, prayed that, and then I had to go to the store on my way home encountered these two people, and the Lord reminded me about that $15 in my wallet, and I felt compassion for them. That's what generosity looked like in that moment. I said, how much do you need? They told me, and I said, well, I can give you $15 towards that amount, and they said, thank you so much, and I said, but I'd love to be able to pray for you. I said, yeah, we love Jesus. Please pray for us. What a great opportunity. This became like a little divine encounter in the store parking lot here where all of a sudden I got to minister to them the love of Jesus and minister to them in generosity by physically meeting a need. That's what it looks like to directly be generous with an offering. Now, indirect offerings look like partnering with churches and organizations that care for those in need. Like, I would strongly recommend you look into ways to partner with organizations like Foursquare Disaster Relief. 
our, we're a Foursquare church, and our denomination has this, this branch within our movement called Foursquare Disaster Relief, and they're regularly sending groups of people out to places where there are great need in the world. So when hurricanes and earthquakes happen, when natural disasters happen around the world, we have a team right now who's been ministering in, uh, in Ukraine since the war started over there. Foursquare Disaster Relief is on the ground there ministering. And so if you partnered with an organization like that, that's a way to indirectly give an offering so that they can extend from the storehouse of God to the world resources that are needed. Now, the key to this kind of generosity, I would say, is to plan for it in advance, right? Like, I had $15, and I prayed about what to do with that $15 in advance so that when it happened, I was ready. Because otherwise, you end up being asked to be generous, and you feel guilty and condemned if you don't understand the next thing. See, the next thing that generous people understand is that not only do we uh, give beyond our tithe, but we need to understand that we give what we can beyond our tithe. The generous give what they can. In fact, Jesus taught this uh, lesson to his disciples. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus sits down near the collection box of the temple and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. And they did that for all kinds of different reasons. A lot of it was like for show, and they just wanted praise from the people. Uh, they put in all these rich amounts. Then a poor widow came, and he dropped in two small coins. Jesus and his homeboys are watching this happen. They see this poor widow dropping in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples. He said to them, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all of the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. Again, for, for historical context, what Jesus is actually doing here is he's showing them a collection box that was designated specifically for offerings or contributions, this additional generosity act to give directly to the poor in the community. And so these people would come and they go, look at this great amount I'm giving, here's all this money, oh, praise me for being so rich. Pat on the back. And, it, and they would get the pats on the back because that's how you were a good follower of God in those days. And this woman comes with just two coins, practically nothing, and she comes and she drops that in because she knew that there was a, a call to generosity, and she gave what she could. And Jesus looks at that and says, that is a more meaningful gift than all these rich dudes who are dropping in what to them was just surplus. You, do you give what you can, or do you give so you can brag. I think that becomes the question. God invites us to give what you can. And this also becomes a principle for us, is that giving is measured by the value of your heart, not the value of your currency. So giving is measured by the condition of your heart as you give. And God wants to invite you to stop comparing your giving to anybody else's. If you're doing that, I mean, that's just weird. Stop. Don't do that. Don't compare your giving to somebody else's. When we compare our possessions with other people's, we assume that what we give is not good enough. And God said, you give to me, not in comparison to others. Right? Beyond the tithe, the generous give what they are able to give. And God evaluates generosity by the condition of your heart, not by the condition of your wallet. Which is why we then need to get to the fourth way that givers give money. The generous give money cheerfully. 
Paul actually wrote to the church in Corinth about a financial gift that they had, they had actually committed. There was uh, letters and requests going around to support Paul on his missions trips. And the church in Corinth said, oh, we'll give X amount. And they, like, had, they had given like an audacious. Churches do this a lot, especially like young, young believers. They're like, we're going to give this amount. And I don't know. It doesn't tell us how much they had promised. But they had promised an amount. And it seemed like it was a bit of a stretch goal. And then they just were like kind of dragging their feet and actually sending it out. And so Paul's writing this letter saying, you know what, I'm just going to say send a couple people by, and they're going to help you uh, prepare the gift. It's, thank you so much for being generous. He, he makes it really clear. Like, I don't really actually need it. It's actually for your benefit that you give to the ministry that's happening here, but I don't want you to be embarrassed, so I'm writing this letter in advance so that when the guy's coming to collect what you said you would give to the ministry, when they show up, I don't want you to be embarrassed by not being ready. So pro tip, before these guys show up, get the gift ready now, right? And here's what he tells them about giving cheerfully. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, he says, you must decide in your heart how much to give. He's saying this to each person. You decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So this is the thing that lets you off the hook if you're like, oh, I have to give $1,000 right now because Tim's talking about money and this church must really need it. And if I want God's favor and blessing, oh man, I just feel so guilty right now. And then you come up and you give a gift for $1,000 because you feel ashamed if you don't. No, 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 no. No, we don't even want that money. We don't, just take it back. Because if you're going to give out of condemnation and guilt, we don't want to touch that. Because if we receive it, we're teaching you the worst possible lesson. So give cheerfully. Each of you decide in your own heart. This is why I don't look at the giving records, among other reasons. One of the reasons I don't look at the giving records is because I don't want, ever want anything inside of me to know what you give. And if it comes up in a conversation, that the devil could use that to twist that into condemnation and guilt by me saying anything that implies that I know whether or not you give 10% of your income. Which, by the way, on another note, it's not any of my business to know. You give according to what God and you are working out. Now, if you want to rob God, that's your business. Good luck. Ha, gotcha. But, like, this is God's standard. I want people to want to give. I want people to want to give. You can give cheerfully because you see it as a gift to partner with his kingdom instead of an opportunity for him to take something away from you. And I think the way you are a cheerful or a non-cheerful giver has a lot to do with the way you view God as a good father or a bad father. Is God trying to rob from you? Well, of course, if you think God is stingy and greedy and just looking for an opportunity to make you feel guilty for being such a terrible human being, then of course you're not going to give cheerfully. You're going to give out of, well, I don't want to go to hell. And I mean, like, I know that sounded like I was making a joke, but I've had that conversation. Give cheerfully. Give because it's a, a joy and a privilege to partner with God's kingdom. People, people are able to give cheerfully for a second reason, not just because they see it as an opportunity to partner, but again, because they can plan for it. In the church world, uh, or outside of the church world, they, they call that a, a budget. Christians call that financial stewardship, right? It's just different terms for the same thing. 
which on a side note, if you need help making a budget because you're sitting here and this sermon is giving you anxiety because you're realizing, oh my goodness, my budget is like completely upside down because every single month money comes in and I spend it and then I only ever give to God what is left if anything is left, which is why I kind of never give anything to God. And I think what I really actually need is to have somebody come in and create a budget for me. And that's really terrifying and maybe a little bit embarrassing and I don't want to be uncovered and like your brain is just going a mile a minute and, and you're just feeling anxious right now because we talked about money and you feel bad about your budget, <sighs> just breathe. Just breathe. Like, can at Life Church we just say, like, remember, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and if that's true about your soul, it should be so much more true about your pocketbook. And if you need help, we would be honored to help you. There have been multiple people who have come and partnered with our church over the years who have said to us, like, I don't know how to make a budget. And there are nerdy people in our church. Paul Smith. <laughs> my own wife. Um, just to name two people. Who honestly, I was sitting with my wife one time and she had reworked our personal budget. And she closes the laptop and she goes, that was fun. I almost passed out. Look, I'm just telling you, there are people who actually have the spiritual gift of administration. There's a spiritual gift listed in the Bible, the spiritual gift of administration. And those are the kinds of people that you want to come alongside you and help you if you are struggling. And if that's you, I just want you to feel no shame and pressure and condemnation at all. But if you need help, just send an email privately. We will never tell anyone who you are that, oh, so-and-so needed help. Can you believe it? Never. Just send an email to info at avlife.church and say, could somebody help me create a budget? We will see that and connect you privately with someone that will help you. And we've also run classes on this as well. Maybe we need to do a new one of those in the new year. Okay, so let's get back to the practical lesson. If you don't have a planned budget, if you don't, you won't be able to have a cheerful heart when giving because when the opportunity to give comes up, you'll feel guilty. Right? I was actually sitting at a friend's church one time, uh, and I saw this handled really, really well. I was, I was attending a celebration service for a, a friend of mine who pastors a church, and the church was saying, like, we really want to honor our pastor. Uh, and so we had a celebration service. And I was invited to come as a guest and, um, and, and honor my friend, and I, I got to say a couple of words. And one of the things that I didn't know was that at the end of the service, they were going to call for a love offering for the pastor as a gift. I thought, wow, that's really great. But I'm sitting in the seat and I'm like sweating bullets because I didn't have, I don't, I don't carry a checkbook with me and uh, I didn't have any cash on me and I didn't come prepared to give a gift. And I'm sitting there just like beating myself up going, oh my goodness, oh, I didn't know. I grew up in white church. I didn't know that this was a thing that happens. I was like beating myself up for like growing up in the wrong church culture and like not knowing that this, like I, I was like, I should have known that this was going to be a thing and just like terribly like condemning myself, right? And I'm thinking like I'm, I'm texting Sharon going, is there any way you can run over here, right? I'm like, I'm like trying to figure this out. And this guy who, who like calls for the love offering, he's, he, and I wrote this down because it, it, it set me free in the moment. So here's what he says. He stands up and he says, if you didn't come with a gift already ready, do not sweat it. And my head pops up. Like, that's me, I'm sweating it. I didn't come with a gift already ready. He goes on, he says, we are only collecting the planned gifts right now. The ones being given cheerfully out of anticipation. 
I wrote that down immediately. I thought that was such a good way to say that. He said, right now in this moment, the only gifts we're asking for are the ones given out of anticipation, the cheerful gifts that were pre-planned, right? So look, I found a way to give a gift later on after the service, but like in the moment, I just was set free. That word anticipation set my heart free from feeling condemned as a pastor sitting in a church service. So if you ever have ever felt condemned, like you're feeling that right now, just be set free. Just be set free. But you have an invitation to plan. Givers give cheerfully because they are giving out of anticipation. This is an invitation to a party. Come, come pre-planned with a gift. And if you show up to the party without a gift, that's okay. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we invite you to plan for the future. Yes? So generous people are the rock stars of the kingdom because they, they think about it. They think ahead of time. How can I be generous? They work generosity into every area of their lives. And they give because they know that they have received so much from God. So at Life Church, we are cheerful givers. We give what we can. We give offerings to those who are in need, spontaneously and pre-planned. And we are tithers to God. There's no guilt or pressure here in that. I, I want to be very clear. If I haven't already been clear enough, there is no guilt or pressure because at Life Church, we celebrate cheerful givers. So, with that said, let me wrap up by making this incredibly practical for you. I can, I'll give you one. There are many other ways that you could look at this, but let me give you a five step process to being generous with your money. Because if you want to walk out of here and go, okay, how do I actually put this into practice? Let me just give you five steps. Look, I'm not the money guy, I'm not the, the budget guy. So, these are my pastoral five steps. If you want to talk about the money, the money budgeting, how to actually execute this, send us that email. But number one, I would just say write tithing into your monthly budget. First, write it into your monthly budget. I know in our budget, it is without question every single month, every amount that comes in, down to when somebody gives us a gift we were not expecting that goes beyond our budget, we automatically take 10% out of that and give it to the storehouse, right? Which, by the way, writing tithing into your monthly budget means you have to determine where your storehouse is. If Life Church is the place where you come to receive spiritual nourishment and want to partner so that ministry can flow into and through your life out into the world, then this would be the place that you would tithe. And if this is not the place where you feel called to tithe, then we would bless you and, oh, gosh, we would help you to find the place where God would call you to tithe. And then we would say, go sit under that teaching and partner financially with them in that storehouse. There's no condemnation there. We would love to help with that. But commit to give your tithe to your storehouse. And by the way, my wife and I tithe to this church. And this church tithes to our denomination. And just by way of example, we, even as a church, are committed to regularly looking at our budget and saying, are we being faithful to our tithe? In fact, I was just sitting in a council meeting last Sunday and we had this opportunity come up. One of our council members saw something in our budget. Now, you may not be aware of this, but we are so blessed in our church to be in a good, healthy partnership with Desert Christian Schools. And for a good long time, 
Desert Christian has been, their Learning Tree Preschool is actually renting facilities from us during the week. We have a preschool right here on our campus. And, and the, the denominational agreement that we have is that the, the giving, the tithe that comes into our, our church, that when you tithe, that we are asked and we, ag- we cheerfully agree to with our denomination to give a tithe of all of the tithe that comes in. So when you give 10%, we take 10% of all of that and give it to our denomination gladly, freely, with joy. And that goes to mission. Now, our council member looked at our budget this week. One of our council members, he looked at the budget and he said, you know, I'm just noticing something in here. Um, are we tithing on the rent that comes in from Desert Christian? We have this great relationship of ministry, but there is a monetary benefit to having them on our campus, and it's wonderful that we can do that. We can provide space like that for that ministry. And he said, do we tithe on that? And so we explained to the council member, well, no, we haven't done that because we have this agreement that we tithe on the tithe. And the council member said, but isn't that increase? And we went, oh my goodness, yeah, that's increase. And so we said, we should probably tithe on that, right? Unanimous immediate vote by our church council. Yes, that's increase. We should be tithing on that. So now, I'm, I'm not telling you that, So, which by the way, actually I'm telling you that because I want you to see that even as the organization that is Life Church, we are trying to model for you that we are tithers. As a family, we are tithers. And as an organization, we're also trying to model, and I'm sharing this story with you so that you hear this. We are open to opening up the books and going, are we being faithful? Are we being good stewards? That's why we have a monthly council meeting. And we didn't catch it yet, but thank God we caught it last Sunday. What a great opportunity now to say, you know what? All of the increase that comes into our church, we tithe on all of it. Right? Our denomination isn't asking us to do Nobody came in and audited our books and was like, how dare you? No religious person came in and said, this is why God can't bless your church. None of that. We weren't in sin before, but we just saw something that we said, let's be even more generous and be faithful to set the tone. And part of the tone is, will you look at the books and adjust your budget? So we did that. So we're inviting you to do the same thing. And we're not perfect in that. We're still learning in that as well. Hopefully that can be another reason why you don't feel any kind of condemnation or any kind of uh, pressure or anything like that. But write tithing into your monthly budget. And that's going to require that you open up your budget. Look, am I being a good steward of my finances here? Amen? A second thing then is that you prayerfully determine if there's an amount of money that you can give beyond your tithe. Remember, give what you can and give cheerfully. Is there an amount that you can set aside? Maybe I need to cut off a subscription so that I can be generous in some way. Maybe I need to have one less trip to Starbucks a month and, and allocate that money every single month to be, give it away as a gift of generosity and agree, that, agree with that with your whole family. The third thing is to prayerfully determine how you can be generous with that money. What does it look like? Will you give a recurring gift to an organization? Like I mentioned, Foursquare Disaster Relief. There's lots of other great organizations out there that you could give to. Grace Resource Center in Lancaster is another great organization you could give to and partner with. Uh, Or will you carry that cash on your person all the time and just give as needs arise? You determine what works for you and your family and And then the fourth thing then is allow the Holy Spirit space to invite you to be generous in surprising ways. Like when God just says, hey, you didn't see this coming, but be generous, be prepared to be surprised. That sounds fun. 
And then the fifth thing is this. Celebrate the every single opportunity to be generous with your money. Celebrate it. Every single chance you get to be generous, pause and celebrate. When I met with that elderly couple in the parking lot at the store, and I didn't know that I was going to meet them that day, and I was able to give them $15 because I had it. That's not, my, that's not how I'm normally generous, and it was kind of a surprising thing, but I'd also kind of pre-prepared for it. I, you know what happened? I got in my car, and I just sat before I started the engine. I just prayed. God, thank you for that opportunity. I just learned so much. That was such a gift. Thank you for the, the gift that that was to me. Thank you that that was an experience for me to understand that what Jesus said that Luke records in the book of Acts, that it is better to give than to receive. God, I celebrate. And then I prayed a blessing over that couple. God, bless them with a place to stay tonight. Bring other people to give the rest of the money that they need, but bless them. And thank you, and I celebrate that. So celebrate every single chance you get to be generous. Now, you hear a message like this, you might have some things that you need to say to God. And so I just want to give you an opportunity to say anything that you need to say to God. I have heard messages like this and in moments in my own life heard these kinds of sermons and said, God, I, I need to tweak something in my heart or I'm not looking at my money the right way. Or, and, I, and I certainly want to honor you with all of the things that you have blessed me with. And so can we just take a moment? I'm going to lead us in a prayer to conclude our time together today. But can you take a moment to just silently before the Lord, if there is anything on your heart that you would need to handle as business with God after hearing a, a sermon like this, would you just have a conversation with God? It, it might be a, a thing where you just say, God, actually, I just want to take a moment and say thank you for your faithfulness to me. God, thank you that you have blessed me so richly. Thank you that you've sustained my life. Or maybe you have been faithfully tithing, tithing to God for many, many years, and you would just say, God, thank you that I know that this system works Thank you that I know that you have been my provider, that that is what the system is really all about, is trusting you. And so, God, even today I recommit my trust in you. Or maybe today you're saying, I have never tithed to the church in my life. Or I've wrestled with it, or I've struggled with it. Or today you're feeling condemnation or guilt, and you might just want to say something to God today. God, I recognize. Or maybe, God, I receive your grace it might be possible that someone hearing this would need to say, God, I repent. Maybe you have carried a self-focused, comfort-focused perspective about your money and you would need to say, God, I, I have carried a self-focused perspective about my resource. Help me to have a kingdom-focused perspective. Whatever it is that you just prayed in these moments, whatever it is, thoughts, feelings that came into your heart and your mind, I want to remind you one more time. Scripture is clear. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I would, I would say this as our prayer together as a family. Lord, would you set us free from any guilt or shame about our money? Would you help us to see that it's actually yours. God, would you cause a spirit of cheerful generosity to rise up in us? 
God, would you change our view of our needs? And will you help us to see that our greatest need is to be a giver, to be a generous person? First to you as we give all of our lives and all of our resource to you. That we need to live that way. And then also we need to be people who give away to others. Because you have called us to freely give as we have received. God, would you help us to trust that giving is its actually your job. That you are the ultimate source of generosity. And God, would you use us as a conduit, as a flow through of generosity that starts from you and moves out into the world to be a blessing to others. God, would you give us a right mindset, a cheerful heart, and would you overflow out of our lives to be a blessing to others as we are good stewards, faithful people with what you have given us. Help us in this, God. Bless us richly and use us to be a blessing to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I want to just say God bless you to you. And a final thought is that um, if you have any further questions, we're going to dismiss you in just a second on this. But if you have any further questions about how do I give or how do I tithe here, there are multiple different ways that you can do that. If you want to have a further conversation, we would love to. But if even today you want to make a decision and your action step from today is to say, you know what, today I'm going to begin or I'm going to give or I'm going to give a gift or I'm going to tithe here to this church. You can do that in multiple ways. You can, you can actually just dump something in the box in the back uh, on your way out. There's a giving kiosk here, or you can go to avlife.church giving, and you can give in all kinds of ways. But here is what I want to send you out with. Whatever you do with this message, do it to the Lord before you would do it for the church. Amen? Amen. And we pray this one more time. God, as we, send, as we are sent out, you have blessed us. Send us to be a blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you on Wednesday night for the night of thanks. Come hungry. Come ready to stretch your stomachs for that Thanksgiving meal. God bless you guys.